It's time for a little something, I forget. My notes say I am Professor Robert E.G. Black, and I am here with Bubba Wheat from FilmWise and various other podcasts. And it's time to discuss Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, but they're erasing me and I have no memory of this. Welcome. That's uh, good to be here, I think. (laughs) Now, as I, I said yesterday on Groundhog Day, Project Minute by Minute, I don't think anyone involved in this minute of this film has died. We talked about people dying from Tuesday <laughs> and Wednesday. <laughs> Completely unplanned. Yeah. But that, that's why it could be fun, you know, trying to make crossover podcasts on a weekly basis. <laughs> I hope it gets even more confusing and strange. This minute is basically Joel going out to Montauk by himself. And where does it end? Still by himself, right? Yeah. Yeah, talk about sand. Yeah, he doesn't like sand. It's yeah. coarse and irritating. And <laughs> it's everywhere. You know, I was going to put that clip in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> he continues his, well, continues his voiceover. That's all the time in this movie, which is good voiceover. There's a lot of movies I don't like voiceover. I like this one. We need to know what he's thinking, because a lot of this movie is what he's thinking. He says, I don't know why, because he skipped work. He's going out to Montauk. This minute starts, he runs down the stairs, pushes past a woman, and then at first I wrote barely gets into, but I had to change it because he doesn't really get into the train at first. <laughs> he gets stuck between the doors and then has to squeeze through on the Long Island Railroad train to Montauk, which I think I figured out that this rail line doesn't even go to Montauk anymore. <laughs> I'm actually glad that I didn't look that up because I, I was considering doing that. Yeah. Although I do have some experience riding trains for my work. Whenever I first moved to the Chicago area, I lived out in the Northwest suburbs and I would take the Metro to not quite downtown Chicago, but just outside of downtown Chicago every day. And it was like about a 54 minutes train ride Mm. that I would take five days a week. It was like 54 minutes there, and then it was a little bit shorter on the way back because it was the express, so it skipped several stops. But in the morning, it hit every single stop all the way there. Wow. Other than that, it wasn't bad in terms of, you know, riding the train. I I didn't really have too many bad experiences on the train. And the Metro, I think, are the nicer trains, and they're not like the underground trains in the actual Chicago proper. I, I believe those are much more run down. Now don't you even think about getting off this train, Mokoso. All the people gonna be getting off this here train gonna be doing it in body bags. Yes. 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 How you sound? This is our train. Yeah, well, your train is rolling in our turf. So yes. what? So as soon as we cross Devereux Street, you and your girls here is dead meat. Woo! Yes. We're gonna run hey, now. Hey, they're going to kill each other. They kill us doing it. There goes Jefferson. Here goes Jackson. Here comes Devereux. But the, these are like the suburban trains. They were nicer. I never had any issues except one time we had a suicide by train. Mm. And the, the train was stopped for a good hour and a half, two hours before we had to get started again and you just stayed on it yeah everybody stayed on the train 
And for the longest time, we didn't even know like what the issue right. was. The, the train just slowed down and stopped. And then about an hour in, I think the word got to the back of the train that it was a passenger. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I just realized that we are talking about somebody, somebody dying, dying yeah. in this episode. <laughs> it's death week here. Apparently. <laughs> Joel explains, I'm not an impulsive person <laughs> as the train leaves. And then we are inside with Joel as he sits down and he looks back at the crowd that is still waiting on the other platform. Then he says, I guess I just woke up in a funk this morning. I got to get my car fixed. And this is one of my favorite kind of voiceovers is where the voiceover is essentially in the present. Like he's telling this story as it happens. It's it's like an internal monologue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We just happen to be part of, which fits the rest of the film since we will spend a lot of the film in his head. I think it works for this movie, especially, I, I know, I think it's funny, I was just watching a video about Dune, which you know just came out this weekend mm-hmm. as we're recording, yeah. and it was talking about the David Lynch version, and he points out that in that film, we get internal monologues from a lot of them. everybody. Yes. <laughs> I want a secret. You can't get me if I don't move. It's too dark in here for it to see clearly. That is completely unnecessary, but in, in this film, we stick with Joel from beginning to end, mm-hmm. and I think in that sense, it, it works. Yeah. It makes even this part of the film that isn't in his head is still in his head. We see him at an empty train station platform, and there's snow on the ground. He's up by the payphone, and you can barely see him as he's calling into work. Hi, Cindy. It's Joel. Joel, listen, I don't feel very well today. No food poisoning i think and the script he's like yeah i was vomiting a lot yeah yeah vomiting a lot <laughs> i think it's funny too because in the script i i don't know at what point jim carrey was attached but the way it's written in the script it feels more jim carrey than movie jim carrey does huh yeah maybe it got toned down because they got him or he wanted it to seem less i don't know I don't remember if there's stuff on that in the published script book. I'll have to read it again and see if they talk about when he was attached to the film. Weirdly, I haven't done a lot of prep on the movie generally. (laughs) Just the minute. 
I'm trying to cut down on prep time with my shows while doing more shows at, a, at once. I'm trying to do less work because I'm stupid or crazy. One of those or both. I think every movie's Batman minute host has got a little crazy in them. Yeah. My final script for Annihilation Minute was over 700 pages of notes. <laughs> it's a lot. I have to stop doing that. So I don't write everything word for word, especially when I have guests. We see Joel on an empty beach. It could be afternoon by now, by what we learned last time. So I would point out before he says it's freezing. On the 14th of February, 2014, in Montauk, it was 40 degrees Fahrenheit, 4 degrees Celsius in the midday. Not much above freezing. And he says it's goddamn freezing on this beach. Montauk in February. Brilliant, Joel. I think it's great that he took an impromptu sick day in order to theoretically go out and do something fun. And then he goes yeah. to the beach in winter. Uh-huh. Where there's no one else there. Yeah. And then we cut to his journal slash sketchbook, which he is going through. And he, you can only see the ends of the lines that are written on the other page. So I'm not sure at all what it says. It wasn't enough to even make sense of it. But the drawing I thought was interesting because it's a guy huddled under some stairs. There's a tank next to him that looks sort of like a beer keg and sort of like a scuba tank, which immediately made me think of Death of a Salesman because I believe he wanted to kill himself by hooking a hose to the tank on the fridge. It was one of those things I never understood in high school, why he had a tube. I didn't get why the wife was so freaked out by that, (laughs) but learned later it was because he was going to basically breathe in the gas so that I see this drawing and I'm like, that look, it made me think of that. I don't know why. And then there's like a bowl on the ground and I'm like, is this guy being held prisoner? Is he hiding? And it's an interesting little image to get as the first part of Joel as an artist. Yeah. It's a sense of like loneliness and isolation mm-hmm. and being trapped. Yeah. As he's by himself on top of some stairs, coincidentally, he's sitting on some steps by the beach and he is in voiceover. He says, pages ripped out. Don't remember doing that. And I love this when I actually froze it to look as Jim Carrey starts writing in the book. All he writes is la, 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 la. <laughs> I don't think he thought the camera would be clear enough to read it. But what he says is it appears this is my first entry in two years. Cut away to a wide shot of him sitting there. He gets distracted by a seagull. And then we cut to him digging in the sand with a stick. And he said, sand is overrated. <laughs> Then he will continue talking about sand next time, but that's actually the end of the minute. We're only minute three of these movies, so not a lot happened this week, although people died. Yeah, this is a newer experience for me because I'm newer in general to the movies by minutes formats, mm-hmm. yeah. and so th- this is the first time I've really dug into a minute this early into the film with not much going on, and this is a movie that's Actually, I, I almost feel like it's uh, appropriate for this movie, but it, it's a movie that I don't remember very clearly. Nice. <laughs> because I've seen it once, probably well over 10 years ago. Ah. I do remember loving the film whenever I watched it. And later, I don't think I knew about the director at the time, but mm. now I know that it's Michel Gondry and I love him as a director. Palm Pictures came out with a series of DVDs that collected music videos. Each each volume was focusing on a different director. And I owned the one with a collection of Michel Gondry's music videos. 
and they are all just absolutely brilliant from start to finish. He's done some incredible music videos. How about Charlie Kaufman? I believe this is the beginning and ending of my experience with Charlie Kaufman. <laughs> Not saying anything, you know, against his writing style. Oh, wait, no, I take that back. I have seen Being John Balkovich. Okay, the first big one. But I don't think I've seen anything else from him. Hmm. It's actually going to be interesting for me how many people that might be the case, because that was the same last week with Dave. He hadn't even seen this movie in entirety because he, <laughs> he thinks Charlie Kaufman's too smart for him. <laughs> but Charlie Kaufman's like one of my favorite filmmakers and like writers. And this is my favorite film. Although, if people force me into answering singularly. Although technically looking up at his IMDb real quick, I am actually familiar with some of his early work because apparently he was a writer for the sketch comedy show The Edge. Mm-hmm. And I did watch that whenever it came out. I've previously talked about a couple of his films on Cock and Bull Minute, and I would be tempted. I don't know what I'll be in the mood for by the time I finish these three shows, because they're going to take a couple of years. I would be tempted to cover more of his movies in detail. I would love to cover like Synecdoche, New York in super detail, because that one's amazing in a weird, disturbing way. Anything else on this minute or Eternal Sunshine movies? Well, one thing that I, I, th- I thought was interesting, I know that you call this kind of an existential trilogy, yeah. but I realized that all three movies have either implied or explicit repetition in all of them. I mean, Groundhog Day is, is the, the obvious with the, the explicit repetition yeah. with him repeating the day. And this one has a bit more of it because... Again, I don't remember for sure, but I'm pretty sure that it, it implies that, you know, uh, Joel and Clementine have gotten together and broken up and forgot each other at least two to three times. Yeah, the, the movie sort of suggests this might be the first time they're getting back together at the end. But the screenplay, and I think they filmed a version of this at the ending, essentially implies that they keep doing this until they're old, that they keep getting back together. They end up erasing each other and then just do it over and over. And the original screenplay starts with Clementine going to get him erased. And I believe she's an old woman and she's written a book called Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It's more framed around her experience as well, even though most of the story is inside him. I got the impression, you know, especially with this minute, that this time that we're seeing is at least the second time that they're getting together yeah. since he has the, the pages ripped out that he doesn't have any memory of. There's that repetition. And then in Ex Machina, there's the implied repetition with the various iterations of the AI Yeah, with Ava being the, the final iteration. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So, I mean, you can see what kind of movies I like. <laughs> I like time loop movies. I like, I mean, not just necessarily repetition itself, but they're using repetition to talk about choices we make and that, like that's why I call it an existential trilogy, essentially about how we, what's his name? It's a book I always cited in my blog, Groundhog Day Project, uh, Paul Hanna's book, The Magic of Groundhog Day. He talks about the Groundhog Day effect is that you get into this funk, as Joel says, where every day feels the same. And you have to, if you can't necessarily change your day and your life, you have to change yourself. And all three of these have a little bit of that to it. It's all a thing. This is how my brain works when I think about movies, too. I just want to connect them to other movies, sometimes inappropriately. (laughs)
So thank you for being here all week on these three shows. No problem. And I'm sure we'll talk again on another show sometime. But in the meantime, where can listeners hear more from you? Well, you can find me on Twitter where I am at Bubba Wheat. And that's where I share pretty much all of my projects as they come and go. And my current projects are my written superhero and comic book movie reviews at flightstightsandmovienights.com. My time loop podcast, It's Time to Rewind, where I take a look at movies and TV shows one loop at a time. And my monthly podcast, FilmWise, where I take a look at two movies, one that's new to me and one that's new to my guest and also is a superhero comic book film. For me, thank you for listening. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts tuning every Tuesday for Minutia Ex Machina, every Wednesday for the Groundhog Day Project, Minute by Minute, and every Thursday for more Eternal Sunshine. Follow this show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Spotless Minute. This has been a production of Lemming Drop Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com or join the Facebook group Lemming Drops Studio Tour. Also, you can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Until next time. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating. And it gets everywhere. Not like here. Here everything is soft. And smooth.